screen? Yeah, it offers the option of putting captions in. Um, all right, I'm here with Lucy McKendrick, who has a film called Fuck Me Richard that premieres at South by Southwest in, uh, in March and show some of her work on Thursday at Reunion's uh, Shorts Night. I'm very excited to be doing that. We hung out yesterday and we recorded, but we kind of like, it was more of a hangout, honestly. And we were talking about a million different things. And we thought that it might be better to just like sync up again right here and kind of get to the point and tell you the stuff that we want to tell you most rather than just like what we were kind of feeling that day. Um, so I really want Lucy to be able to talk, you know, to set the scene for, for her movie that, um, well, to put it this way, the reason why our first conversation was what it was, was because the movie, you know, means a lot to me and I had a very emotional response to it. I think Lucy is dealing with topics that are very relevant to all of us today, but you know, me personally, and that led to us just really like just living in it and, and going in a million directions. But um, Lucy, it's cool to, to, to chat the day after and yeah, tell me what's on your mind now. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. I feel like we were exploring so many topics yesterday and um, I don't know, something that you said is like you you want to make this podcast so people have some like additional information when they see the film and they can you know and yesterday we were just you know going left right and everywhere so it's cool to synthesize i don't know the ideas but um yeah i had this short film fuck me richard uh which is going to south by southwest in march and i'm very excited about it um yeah and i think it's you know it's amazing to hear that you connected with the material so much um i i'm i'm glad to hear it i feel like i wrote this movie coming out of covid and i was anticipating a surgery an ankle surgery to my leg and i was in a very vulnerable state and i just reflected on the times in my life that i've been in a vulnerable state and how desperate that made me and how desperation can lead to behaviors which are, you know, less than uh, honorable. <laughs> and um, it's sort of like the right environment can lead anyone to do anything. So although this character is engaging in extreme behavior, if you watch the film, it's about people manipulating people, um, I hope I, I'm glad to hear that you related to it because I think that, you know, we've all been in bad places in our lives and can see ourselves being capable of, of things which would not be in the realm of our normal behavior. Uh, you touched on how when you were in lockdown, you started doing act, you started sort of taking, well, I mean, talk a little bit about your journey to coming into the idea that you needed to act in your own work and then how you went about that process. Yeah, I mean, I worked in production and film for a long time and I feel like the more that I worked in production, um, the more, I mean, there's a lot of stigma around acting from a production perspective. 
particularly if you're working with like crews on indie films, like they, they both love actors and I think sort of resent them because there is this perception that they just come onto set and they're treated with, you know, the red carpet rolled out for them and they're treated so well while everyone else is slaving away. And it's, it's sort of necessary for their job because so much of act acting is being in a state of relaxation and a state of comfort to be able to put yourself in vulnerable positions. But me coming from the production side and being surrounded by all sorts of people, you know, like, um, you know, like the truck drivers and I used to be an AD. So like deep into the, the meat grinder of just pushing these things out, I think I developed more and more of a stigma. So it took a long time for me to realize that I actually wanted to work in my, in my, um, I wanted to act and I wanted to act in my own movies and that I was really writing roles for myself. Um, so then when COVID came around, I, you know, had my COVID epiphany as we all did. Um, yeah. and <laughs> and decided that I was gonna train and write a role for myself and act in one of my own films. And I feel like because I also have, you know, this, uh, yeah, I had built up a perception or an acting, I wanted to not be the sort of actor who's doing it for the wrong reasons, like, you know, vanity or conceitedness or, you, you know uh, like stuff like that I wanted to I wanted I don't know I wanted to yeah write myself a role that was couldn't be perceived as that that was like unglamorous and vulnerable and showed the bad sides of a person and I also did that because that's just my interests as a filmmaker yeah. bad side of a person is a wrong, like a bad way to put it that but like you know a character who's like participating in yeah questionable twisted behavior um yeah so I wrote that role and made that movie we talked about like uh your zoom acting classes what was that like uh, yeah it was crazy man uh <laughs> <laughs> absolute dystopia <laughs> I, I was talking about how I, you know, I don't mind actually like Zoom meetings. Those are fine for me, actually, like almost preferred. I think that's, you know, the the, the getting rid of travel time is, is, a, is a boom to productivity. But Zoom like classes and stuff like that. I, I, I tried one during pandemic, during lockdown, and it was like I wanted to die. I did this. It was a really cool class. It was a Kathy Acker class. And I noticed all these really cool people, like actors in it. Like, like it was like a Zoom with like 40 people on it, you know? Yeah. And I knew, like, there were like, you know, famous people in the Zoom. It was very cool. So right. I was like excited in every way I could possibly. And, and, and I read, I love reading Kathy Acker. And I actually like integrated one of her books into a film I wrote. So I had every reason to be very engaged with this class. And I, I was just like, I'd rather literally be cutting myself than sitting here looking at this this monitor with a bunch of small faces on it listening to one of those small faces talk it was oh my god it was so boring so what was acting class like 
in that context. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I definitely got benefits from it. I mean, my favorite one was like I did a clown class with this guy called Christopher Bays. Who, and, oh, wow. You didn't tell me that. That's fun. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, you know, in the middle of COVID, it was definitely the thing that I needed to do. And you do all yeah. sorts of weird stuff like, you know, scream and yell and bang on the floor and act completely ridiculous. And it was it was an outlet for all the rage that I was feeling during COVID. And and like there are there are definitely like a lot of concepts and exercises and techniques that you can pick up via Zoom. Um particularly with on-camera acting because you're working inside a frame and if they're recording yeah. it, watching it back, you get to like understand how your performance is uh, dictated by what the framing is. And th that was sort of less important for me because I'm, I come from film, so I understand that idea of a frame, but for other people I see like how on-camera acting is, it, 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 there is an argument for being taught on Zoom. But in general, I mean, I feel like for a beginner it was okay, but then I hit a wall where I was getting, I was understanding the concepts and it was really like time to move into a room. And then when I first moved into a room with other people, like other actors, and everyone was so much younger than me because I'm like learning to act and I'm, you know, an old fucking geriatric lady. What do you mean? What are you, 27? Oh yeah, honey, I'm 20. <laughs> no, I'm 31. I feel like for an actor that's like, you know, out the, the door. Um, which is I, I don't I don't know. I think that I think if you want to be on Netflix shows, sure, like you're not going to do that. You're not going to get into the Netflix machine. You're not going to like get a UTA agent and be on the next like Disney Channel. But like the rest doesn't matter. You know, it's being a person, and you know, yeah, a hundred percent. It's just the only thing about it, but which is fine by me. Um, but it's like getting in at this stage in life, you know, the staircase to having a career in acting is it's just like not available to me. Like the agents Why? and the, well, like the, the classical one of like, you know, you get on the small shows and you have little bit parts and. Because you, you're 31. I feel, I mean, I feel that way. I definitely. Why didn't you start earlier then? Because of, yeah, I was, I, I had a, I didn't really want to act when I finished high school. I didn't think I wanted to have more control over stuff. And, you know, I, I feel like I had, like I was saying before, biases around it. And being a filmmaker was close enough to performing to me. But then I, I feel like over the years, um, that itch to like perform and be a part of my work just became bigger and bigger. Um, no, I mean, like, I, I certainly don't think that, I think that people who are older, a hundred percent should act. I just see the classical ways of getting into acting becoming narrower. Of course, yeah. It, I mean, I love. There's nothing that excites me more than an older person getting into acting and, you know, taking off. It's so exciting to see when that yeah. happens. Um, because yeah, the stigma against um women is real. Um. Yeah. And ate them and whatever. Um, you think it's getting better? Yeah, I do actually. I do. I I don't know. I'm I'm of two minds about it. I feel like we were in a really like a, a good trajectory a couple of years ago, and now I feel like there is a bit of like pushback and 
you know, there's like a reactionary component to progress. You know, I feel like these things probably move in in cycles and I can see how go back to a more regressive phase. Some, I mean, I don't know, I'm in two minds about it, but like in terms of, you know, age and body positivity and um, yeah, different, um, you know, positive steps. I don't know. I've got a friend in fashion. She's doing fashion week right now. And she was like, yeah, a couple of years ago, like the major brands were being very inclusive. And she's like, now it's back to tiny people again. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's no I, longer the talking point. It's no longer the talking point. Yeah. Hmm. It's no longer a topic. Um, you think yeah. Richard got silenced for a few years and is now back, back in the mix. What do I think Richard got silenced? The, like the character in your film. Do you think that kind of guy kind of got shut up for a little while and and maybe door opened for him? Tolerance for his anger and his aggression and his, you know, sort of deviousness. Do you think that is the door is open again for that? Or do you think it ever closed? I mean, I think that he is a pretty um aggressive twisted manipulative person i don't think that he was ever sort of even flying by the realms of social acceptability because i think you know when he blows up as a person or when he's revealed his yeah i guess that's inner, that. inner makeup yeah that's well the thing is that gets someone wrote um and this is not like uh you know nothing revelatory this has been spoken of a million times for a decade now but someone i saw just like made a really good sort of synthesis of like the dating app the impacts of dating apps over the last decade where uh you know what do you call accountability social mm. accountability like they just very you know very simply like you back in the day your sister introduces your work their work friend and you go out on a date with your sister's work friend and you ghost quote that sister's work friend they're like your sister's like yo don't like, do that what, what, what hell what the hell man like yeah. why'd you do that like just tell her hey I'm not so into you or hey i had a really nice time but like but you can't just stop calling her but now you in you know you introduce dating apps and it's like you just there's no accountability so behavior becomes this there is no it just doesn't matter um yeah i mean that's the whole thing about being online right yeah you can be yeah you're removed no consequence. From, yeah no consequence you're at a total remove and it's i don't know it's so fictitious you're like in, in a way it's like you're in, the, in this fantasy land in your head and you're doing this edited cultivated whatever version of yourself online and presenting yourself how you'd like to be perceived yeah. than, you know how you would actually act in daily life um yeah well so i guess so so what i'm you know something i'm interested in is like when you had the you know the timeliness of the idea of richard you know has that ebbed and flowed has that um 
you know, has that guy, is that, is, is that guy, um, is, is he safer maybe today than he was, you know, has there been an ebb and flow to the comfort? So that guy, so, so this, you know, maybe, maybe let me like back up for a second. That guy's got that inside. It's there. It's, it's, you know, it's at bay somehow he, he walks, you know, every day he wakes up and, and he keeps that at bay, his hatred, his bitterness, his outbursts, his loss of control, all of it, but it's there <clears throat> and it rears its head in different ways. Not only the way that you exhibit, it rears its head in a lot of ways. And we know that, you know, it's a common language. Like we can identify those people. We don't need to see the outburst that you show in the movie, the reveal, we don't need to know. I know I can flag that guy and I know you can. I can identify that guy without seeing the outburst. So do you think that given that we collectively can identify when people have that, when they're prone to it, when they are, you know, dangerous frankly do you think there has been an a fluctuation of tolerance toward that guy over the you know over the last yeah i mean you know yeah. I, I think that he's probably angrier about the way that the world has moved in the last few years he wouldn't be someone who would be for me too he's um has very regressive views and i think that's what would add to his anger um yeah so i i don't i don't think he i think he's like um he's a, but he's also sort of timeless you know because he's a troll and a, he's a manipulator and he's out to get people and i think we that talked that, about trolls a lot yesterday yeah yeah we're cutting that out. I think that that takes sort of a lifetime of, you know, growing up in a particular environment and. Have you diagnosed what, you know, where have it comes I from? Diagnosed him? Have you thought about it? No, I don't mean medically. I mean, like, have you, have you, you know, profiled like how this happens? Do you, do you think about it that yeah, way? Yeah, I mean, I have. Yeah. I mean, like, I've looked into people like this. I think the really interesting part of Richard for me is that besides the fact that he's just this angry, you know, bitter misogynist who hates women is the fact that he can engage and, and scammers in general, the fact that they can engage, they, they can become other people and they're like terrific actors and they can go through these whole experiences fictitiously. Um, and they can be rich and emotional and romantic and they can bring that to other people like they're incredible actors and performers and they must get something from that i imagine and i and i'm surprised <laughs> what surprises me about people like this and there are a lot of people like this like you read it with like all the scammers like the yeah the Hollywood scammer you know who was the incredible actor who scammed all those below the line people in hollywood Wait, or what? 
Yeah, there was a there was a famous scandal a couple of years ago. I think it was called the Hollywood, the, the King of Hollywood or the Queen of Hollywood, and it was a scam. Talking about Randall Emmett? Huh? Sorry, who? We're talking about Randall Emmett, the person who was like based in Asia. Oh, you mean the guy who, um, the fundraising guy who, like Leonardo DiCaprio and stuff like that. That guy. No, it was a different dude, and he was impersonating really big producers out of Hollywood, like people like Amy Pascal and the Big Dogs, and was like, oh, oh putting up a. It was it was a crazy scam because it was like it was he was getting such small recoups for every scam. He was calling these below the line people in Hollywood and getting them to come out to Thailand and promising them that they were going to work on this big show. And I'm not sure exactly where the scam, where the money scam came in. Maybe it was in the ticket flights or or something or like, what was the scam? Yeah. the, The scam was something like, you come out to Thailand for this big movie project and you're going to have a role which is going to be a real step up in your career. You're going to be a, you know, a, a makeup artist when you've previously been an assistant. And I'd get there and this person would pick them up at the airport and drive them around to tour the locations where they would be working and no one else would be there. And they would have to pay that person in cash, the driver. And then they'd fly back home, but it wasn't a lot of money. It was like maybe a couple of thousand bucks that they have to pay the driver on the promise of being, you know, reimbursed the money once when when the rest of the crew got there. But it was this insane scam that went really, really deep um, in terms of the scammer impersonating all these other people and building out this huge world. Um, and they're, you know, they're engaged in in this performance of pretending to be other people, and. I don't go into this in the short with Richard, although I, I think it's really interesting because like as an actor, you do learn from the experiences of the people that you're performing. You know, I remember performing the monologue from Rabbit Hole where she loses a baby and I totally felt a lot more empathy and understanding of what that would be like. And I think that's what really great writing can do. And that's what an experience of being an actor can do. So, I mean, I don't expose in the film, but I'm, I'm Rabbit Hole is the Miles Teller movie, the one with Nicole Kidman, right? Yeah. Is it Rabbit Hole? It's the play. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's the one. I have the weirdest. I know people that worked on that movie, and like I have the weirdest stories of his behavior on that movie. Oh, really? (laughs) I could tell you not recorded because I don't care about calling out Miles, but I'm not like fucking Miles Teller. I have no connection to him, but I, I like it could be like figured out where I got the stories from. So I don't want to like broadcast them, but I can yeah. tell you after, but they're like terrible miles teller stories. That guy's such a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, he he is Richard. Huh? They are like he is- Richard. He is oh, it's exactly, it's basically stories like that. It's him talking like that, like that kind of bro energy about mm. women like that but it's like delusional it's like the weirdest like it it's like why he becomes a movie star though because it's like delusions of grandeur like for some people the richard thing will be this like you know defeating it will be their it will be their uh their achilles heel 
their insecurity will be their Achilles heel. For some people, it will be the thing that will drive them to be to, to get to be in Top Gun. You know, it would be like your ego will oh, be right. so big that you will manifest, you will you will power yourself all the way to these things. And just like someone could potentially just yeah. like lock you in the teeth and knock your jaw off course. But if they don't, you will get to Top Gun. That's basically like what I think Miles yeah. Teller's life is. It's like, I'm going to just plow through everyone. I'm going to be disgusting. As you know, someone might clock just like, I, I guarantee it's happened to him. Like he's been at the wrong bar on the wrong night and he said the wrong thing and he's just been knocked out and we just don't know about these things. There's no way this guy has not had his ass kicked. Like he just, he's a, I've heard terrible. He's just, he's a, he's a not, he's an unrealistic, you know, he, he has a sense of self that is like, yeah, that's like the American success story. Yes. And like, yeah. unless someone knocks your, knocks your block off, like, yeah, you get unfettered, to keep going. Yeah, unfettered ego. Um, unfettered, I, yes. It, it'll get you places. Honestly, I feel like sometimes like my ego could do with a bit of unfettering. <laughs> I don't know. It's no, I think good. it happened to Army Hammer in a way, even though I think that Army Hammer's not Miles Teller. Army Hammer's more like innocent in it, actually, where he's like, he's a moron. But mm. I think he's more actually golden boy. Like Miles Teller, like isn't even golden boy. He just like psychs himself into pretending he is. But Army Hammer actually is, and he was just so stupid, and his hubris like doomed him. Like Army yeah. Hammer never, never having to engage with his own hubris, his own mortality, doomed him. But like he wasn't actually like this devil that he's being painted as. Whereas Miles Teller looks at the Army Hammer guy and is like jealous of Army Hammer, and he's gonna like be an asshole to to overcompensate for the jealousy of not being Army Hammer. And Army Hammer's this naive idiot that is spoiled and like didn't understand to like be cool about it and respect the people around you who are like, like you are being treated like a God, but you're not a God. You're just a person who is getting treated differently and recognize that every day, that you're a person, we're all people, you're getting treated a different way. Appreciate that and love the people giving that to you because that's awesome and enjoy it and benefit from it but but give back and and stay stay in your lane like respect you are not a god and i think yeah. army hammer didn't understand that and that's what doomed him and miles teller looks at that guy and is jealous of that guy cuz he's not golden boy and he tells himself you're golden boy you're army hammer and just no one has corrected him and somehow yeah. he's in and miles teller like gives nothing on screen I mean, yeah, Ami Han is a, is a crazy story. I was trying to watch that doc. I felt very conflicted about it. I didn't watch it. Yeah. Obviously, he was acting with complete, you know, he was being extremely selfish and horrendous in his sexual encounters with women. Yeah. At the same time, he had extreme kinks, and there is a level of, like, puritanical judgment that is going on to Ami Hammer around those 100%. as well. Um, 
which the the documentary like left a weird taste in my mouth i certainly felt really sorry for some of the horrendous experiences that he had exposed them to but at the same time like they were for were very shaming like sex negative yeah yeah i think I've, I've, I've spoken to a number of the people uh the women mm. and I, I, I won't like go into i won't yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll choose my words wisely, <laughs> or not wisely. I'll, I'll, my words, I'll, I'll attempt to choose my words uh, democratically, uh, not diplomatically, um, respectfully. But I don't think that the narrative that has been put out there by a few of them represents the whole. And I don't think that uh, the offenses, as they've been characterized, are accurate. I think he did commit offenses but he committed different offenses. And a lot of it was more to do with, like, for instance, one, was cool with everything. She just didn't realize he was doing it. She, she just didn't realize she wasn't the only one. And that was upsetting when she found that out. Mm-hmm. Not through him, through through someone else contacting her, telling her, hey, you're not the only one. So she thought that she was the only one. And she was participating in all of the, the kinks and all of the control stuff, all of the, you know, aggression stuff. She was a willing participant. Game liked it. But he was being dishonest with her about, you know, his lifestyle. So she thought that he was cheating on his wife. She didn't think she thought that she was the one that he was cheating on her on on his wife with. Um, so a lot of it, and and then what happened there was like he rubbed that person the wrong way, and then she gets lotted in with the you know the general accusations. But her but but it's like it was it's not clarified out there what her actual beef is with him. Her beef with him is just that he made her feel like she like they were in a you know a not monogamous relationship. She was the mistress. Mm-hmm. And he was also fucking nine other girls, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But fucking- that she was okay <laughs> with all of the kink stuff and she was into it and attracted to it. Yeah. And that's something that's getting twisted in the media, you know, that like he was a, you know, cannibal. Rapist. Yeah. Cannibal. Like, you know, I you say, oh my God. Like, I've said, whatever, I'm not going to, you know what I'm saying. Like, like, you say things, you, you know, use metaphors he's not really eating anybody like yeah know. i mean it's yeah I, I mean as soon as like cannibal okay i mean he wasn't i to my knowledge actually no oh i mean the, the one people, thing that, it's just like extreme things to say and yeah you know, he's talking yeah. he's being he's being aggressive he's like being he, he fucks he doesn't make love he fucks whatever like you know it's like uh-huh. like the whole thing about like cutting an inch deep or something like that like that was in airmail recently that they were like talking about it. You know, you cut an inch deep into someone like, it, you know, an inch, that's yeah. an inch. You know, I'm holding yeah. up my fingers like to represent an inch. Like that's a, that's not a, a that's a serious thing. You're hospitalized. You know, you are yeah. getting treated. You might be still dealing with, you, you, you are not going to recover quickly from an inch deep cut. Like, so I don't know I if that's accurate. 
Was that was he? What was that a part of? He was stabbing someone. One of the saying, I'm yeah, one of the accusations him. was that he he cut her as part of his mm. you know his kink fantasy, and yeah. it was not. It was uh, she didn't uh, give permission, and he cut her. You, you can't give, you can't give permission to be hurt. You can't be give permission to be like punched or stabbed because if you're in an abusive situation and the police come, you can't be like, oh, I was asking for it. I gave him permission. It was consensual because it could be in a controlling circumstance where you're being manipulated. So you literally, it's not, it, if somebody punches you or stabs you, there's, there's That's no, all it's all, yeah. it's all. Well, well, what, uh, what, no, the point here is not the dynamics of, of cutting it's that. <laughs> I don't think anyone cut an inch deep into the person. Like the like the person oh. said she was cut an inch deep, and like an inch is a lot. To I don't be know. Cut. I, without knowing her, I'm 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 always well. No, that's so that's I'll, one of the things I would that it, uh, her without knowing any other details. No, okay. <laughs> so, so this is so fine. So that is BS, and it's one of the reasons why that person is not like privy information whatever like there's uh there's gag orders on some of them because they were like caught in lies basically so like the whole accusation thing has been getting muddied and um the reason why the things for him have not been like moving forward are because a lot of the accusations were you know were disproven quietly and they're like having to you know, suss out what's real and what's not. And I don't know, I got a text today actually from someone saying that there's, since the article came out last week, there's a new development and I don't know what it is yet, but I know that there's something that's about to come this week with that story. And I'm honestly, I'm really excited. <laughs> I think it's just so wild. The whole thing is so wild. <laughs> It is wild. I mean, I just can't believe that. I mean, the wildest part about it for me is not that he would behave this way or even, you know, engage in or like have crazy extreme fantasies. Is that they would be so dumb about their interactions with people on social media. Like that is just a level of stupidity that yeah. so... So many very famous people engage in, and it's beyond me. I'm like, that's that's no, the crazy part. I mean, yeah, I completely agree with you. That was the first thing I said. He's, he's, his main offense is stupidity. Like he's so yeah. his hubris is so like damning. Like that is his yeah. downfall. You know. But you were talking about the monologue and rabbit in a uh, rabbit hole that's how we got on to all oh, that like, talking oh, about right, the, right, right. You, you what you made me think of was miles teller's toxicity yeah. as reflexive of richards your character and like i think miles teller is in many ways similar to that he has that kind of anger inside of him in real life um that richard has he's not a scammer exactly he's a different level of it but like he has this kind of like bro toxicity to him yeah, I mean, I don't really explore this in the film, but I am interested in how, yeah, the performance of pretending to be someone else or your performance online or in a 
your performance at a distance without consequence can have real world effects on you and you know it certainly does for the main character sally that i play her fictitious life that she builds up online and the romance and the connection and the company that she gets from being in this relationship during the course of her injury um is a big factor in like booing her up and making her happy and getting her to the other side of this vulnerable place in her life even though it's 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 sort of fake <laughs> like the, the fantasy world that she's she's up online um yeah so i don't know interesting i think that yeah i i, I talked yesterday with you about how i personally take it as like she's complicit with this sort of fantasy, this dynamic that they're playing, this dance that they're playing, where like he's scamming her, but she's kind of like cool with it. And, yeah, because it's so playing. exciting. It's yeah. like this, you know, she's like at home with a broken leg and she's lonely and she's outside of her like country and she has no one. And the thrill of the romance and, you know, the sweep you off your feet you know sexual fantasy of it all is so much more exciting than the reality of her situation and like tons of people are like this who engage online with all sorts of i've done it before or, i've uh, been scared yeah. and I've, yeah. I've i've participated there was this like long this this scam that i had for it's funny i didn't even think of this yesterday but i had this scam that went on for they, they did it over and over again and like i knew it was a scam but I just like engaged with them as if. Really? And it was just like. Was it a girl? Was yeah. It a romance man? I don't. I never found out who it really was. It yeah. was posing as this, um, as this like Swedish model, literally, like a real life Swedish model, and um, it wasn't her, of course. But like they were using like things that she was doing, like they would see that she would post being at this place, and they would so. Part of the scam so was getting legal. What? Yeah, that those sorts of scams are very in depth and can become very complicated. Yeah. yeah. So I literally I I flew to one of the places because also partly because it was like whatever I'm going to like Italy I don't care you know like I'm gonna like I I wanted it was a nice trip anyway and I was more like just explore I was in this like time of my life where I wasn't like I didn't have a day job or anything I could do that. I was just kind of like meandering and I was like, fuck it. Let me like see what this person has in store. You know, I knew they were like, I knew it was a scam, but I was like, will anyone be there? Like, will anything happen? What will they say? You know? And I just played it out. Cause, cause to me also it was like, I'm down to go there anyway. Like it's a cool, it's a beautiful place. They, it was like these like fancy hotels and stuff. And I was like, fuck it. Let me just like fly to a fancy hotel to meet this person on their yacht. You know, like, I don't yeah. think they're not, like, but whatever, I'll get an Airbnb. And I did. I literally like did the whole I flew to Italy like under the scan. So interesting and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the most, you know, interesting thing that can come out of this deviant situation. You're like, oh, this person's trying to do me wrong, but I can find adventure in that. <laughs> right. I was just fine with it, you know? It yeah. was like <laughs> Yeah. Do you feel like a part of you was wondering if it could be real while knowing it's a scam? Was it like, of course, yeah, of course, there's like in the back of your mind, like 
like you know it's a scam but like you still will say like but what if how cool would it be? You know? this is so, fun run, the, like, swedish right if it is. so i'll like talk to them like in sort of like lol mode you know like yeah. are we really you know some like i'll go in and out of like seriousness with it like i'll be like okay cool so which boat do i look for when i when i get off the ferry you know like and, and like, see what they say you know when like i know there's no boat but like yeah wow just that's being, really seeing like, things through where, where did the money part come in there was none that's what, so all these things that there was no scam it was all so for some reason i have been like multiple times in my life like targeted with no real like i've been targeted I, th I think this is something that like i don't know whatever i don't know how to diagnose you know self-diagnose entirely but it's like i've had whenever people have a bone to pick with me they haven't wanted anything from me they just want to take me down a notch that's how it's always happened to me that no one ever like extorts me they just want to hurt me and i've had mm. it's happened a few times like i like usually i know who it is you know i've had disagreements with people like in college for the first time i had like a you know i there was a guy that i just you know we was part of our friend group and then i i didn't like him he was doing really sketchy things uh it's since i've been proven very right he's now like i won't say who he is because uh i just don't want to like wake that sleeping giant but he's been like part of famous like he's in deadline like his scams his hijinks have been like so i was like the first person to identify the sociopath when we were in college as like i don't think that i think this guy's like dark and i just sort of removed him from my life and he responded by doing like the most horrific like he just like tried to ruin my life but he didn't like try and get anything from me he just tried to ruin my life for a while um, mm -hmm. and then he ruined, he actually succeeded at like ruining other people's lives. There's like some executives that he took down and stuff like that, like famous things now. Um, but yeah, for some reason, like, like this scammer, it wasn't, they weren't looking for anything. The only times they ever, they just wanted, oh yeah, they, they asked me to like buy things, but they weren't things that they could use. Like they made me buy a plane ticket for the Swedish model. And it was it was like a hundred bucks. It was like a you know oh I had to go to Germany tonight, but I'll meet you I, tomorrow. Could you get my think, flight? And it was like Spirit Airlines. It was like a hundred. I was like for a hundred and twenty bucks. That's really all you're trying to scam me for. Like you know what? For a hundred and twenty bucks, I will continue this charade. And I did. I was like, it's I worth think it's it. It's so to me. amazing. And I think it's. I mean, it's in some ways like a new form of narrative. I was, I yeah, was, was narrative. I was like, let me, yeah, this. it's like a real life fictitious video game experience, like virtual experience that they're setting up because yeah. it doesn't exist in the real world. I was listening to another scam, which was completely fascinating about a girl who fell in love with a guy who was living in America and he made the scam so complicated. And he had these various threads of what was going on in his life and was impersonating different people in those threads and was getting enmeshed with her family and her mom and her ex-boyfriends. And they all 
knew him through um, through phone calls and email conversations and the scammer was building out like this really like complex epic world that didn't exist fictitiously with this girl via the internet and it's i mean it's so fascinating in terms of like it's a production creating it's a total production and like what do you the psychology of that they must have so much I don't want to say fun, but it, I mean, it must be very satisfying to them to put in that much energy into a, a fake life. Just well, that's what I mean. Passionate. Normal people, when I talk about it, people say, Who has that kind of time? And I'm like, You're not looking at it from the right lens, from the right angle. You know, you mm. have to look at it from a different side. It's people who they aren't really appreciated, you know, they aren't valued in society in the way that they would like to be. So whatever they do occupy their time with is not fulfilling to them. It's not rewarding mm-hmm. in the way that they would like it to be. So you're not looking at time the way that they are looking at time. They are doing stuff, they are they are effectively getting, they, they are losing time. Like with the stuff that they do with their life is like lost time. And then they mm. get home and they get to do their thing. And this yeah. becomes their thing. And then the other part of it is power, is connection. That they seek connection and they they seek, you know, people call it clout chasing, whatever. Like they seek influence, they seek impact. They want to find a way to like some of the, you know, the times that people have like hurt me. I know that I, I don't really like get to do a, you know, a debrief with them exactly, but I'm positive. Like a lot of it is, that when they find out, they know that they're touching me. They are like, they, they have some bone to pick with me or whatever. And they see me as like, uh, whatever their worldview, their, their view of me is, is usually deformed. And like, they think I live a much more glamorous lifestyle than I really do. But like, I know that part of it is that they can touch someone at this, you know, you get off on that. Like if you can mm-hmm. impact like someone's life like that, it has a little bit of a, of a, of a, you know, it's, it's almost a voyeuristic, a twisted little, you know, it's a yeah, messed yeah, up. I think, yeah. Just like, I feel like it's just insecurity, right? Well, of course. Like, it all you, yeah, from, yeah. It all comes down to that. Like if you're not, yeah. if it's not insecurity, then you wake up in the morning, you do your job that you have and you yeah. build up through that to get a job that you want. And that's just life. And that's it. You don't need yeah. to project anything. You don't need to, you know, work out like i said about that lost time in their day like that lost time and then you just like you use your free time to build up the things that are going to get you out of the lost time to improve upon the lost time, not to uh you know exhale from this horrific you know toxifying experience that is your day to day and that's all just insecurity if you're not insecure about it then the toxifying day to day is just something that you work through and you graduate above at some point in your life. You grow up and you, you know, you elevate, you start at a company and you elevate in the company or you move to a new company or whatever. And you just like you improve your circumstances. That's if you're not insecure. If if you're insecure though, you can't get through that phase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the le- <laughs> the level of insecurity to do some of this stuff i mean it's i think the most amazing thing for me with something like the scam you experienced 
Um, or that one that I was talking about with the woman who whose scammer built up this giant fictitious world is when it's not motivated by money. And like then maybe it's motivated by negative emotions. Like they want to humiliate you or cut you down to size or you know, they get off on the control of manipulation. But <laughs> I think what's sick and interesting is also how they can be motivated by like positive emotions in that circumstance, you know, of really making a connection um, with another person. And that's really thrilling and exciting to them. Um, and building out a fictitious world where they have this romantic partner and the joy and love that brings them and the pleasure that brings them. I mean, that's the real tragedy of a scammer, I think, more so than, yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I don't know. It's that just they sad. fall in love with it's it? Just, no, it's just that they're, they're, it brings positive things to their life. Um, yeah. I, I admit, like, it was... I'm a, you know, I, I have a, I run my hand over the flame. Mm. You know, I, I'm a, I'm someone who does that. I look over the ledge, you know, um, I, I do that in my life. I want to see what is, what, what's down there. I, uh, you know, I go, I say, I say, wait, wait, wait here. You know, I just want to, I just want to look over that you know, Ridge. Yeah. Uh, I go to, you know, no, no, let's go to that. Who cares? You know, said it's a bad neighborhood. Like I want to see it though. You know, I do that. And so when I'm experiencing something like that, yeah, I recognize like part of it is like, what's going to happen next? Who are they really? <laughs> what are they going to say? Next? <laughs> Come on, give it to me. Like, fuck me up. <laughs> I reckon I, I admit, you know, I've been taken long past my enjoyment and long past my ability to not just tolerate, but like handle emotionally with stuff that's happened over the last couple of years with this kind of stuff with trolls. I've had like way, it's gotten way too dark. Um, but I, I do have a relationship with it. You know, just being honest, like where there is a little bit of, you know, interest. It's like, in just what the I, I've, I've used the metaphor in my life same with like romantic partners you know my romantic partner of the last you know three for a while you know we've been together for a long time now and you know we'll, we'll that like this is it for me um but in the past you know i've had partners who i've used the metaphor that it's it's like i have this suit that allows me to go into like toxic waters Mm. and 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 breathe and live and survive even though i'm not i don't share that toxicity i'm i can go swim in those waters and i have this like protective layer and i can go in and i can i can find the things that are in there like and find the gold that the buried treasure that no one can figure out how to get because they're either share you know they're either toxic as well or they're not able to handle the toxicity and i've always read that as a, as a strength it's definitely hurt me though in a lot of ways because honestly like it's like over the last few years if you carry that metaphor through it's like oh holes got poked in that suit though and some of the you know and then it burned me 
and that's happened, yeah. you know? So I'm definitely like, I, I look at it differently today than I did two, three years ago. Two, three years ago, I would have said, come at me. Like, like that scammer mm. that I went to Italy and whatever, like I would not do that today. I would not respond to any, I would, I just want nothing to do with it. I want to be focused. I want, that was also a period of my life where I was like more open. I like left my company and was just like wide open. I was like, I want the world, you know? And now I don't, now I have like very specific things I'm attempting to do. And people that like my, my world is full. I've got the people I, I like, got the stuff I want to do. Like, that's it. I don't need like no new friends, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. no, no, you know, no, I want, I have no tolerance, but we were talking about this. I think that's like what we first talked about when, when you were uh, over here yesterday, um, that, you know, I'm very like insulated with how I interact with people and, and who I interact with. And that's not always been the way I am. Yeah. But I feel similarly. I do like to go into dangerous arenas and mm -hmm. I like to go them with an open mind and because that's exciting to me as an artist and interesting and maybe dangerous is like a bit of a big world but you know complicated forums um and places and yeah you do go in sometimes open-hearted or whatever and it's uh, i don't know i've realized that every you know particularly in those situations if you're seeking their out seeking them out that you're you're usually going to find something more complicated and right. yeah like i i was uh, doing a lot of research for this prison movie and i was getting involved with you know prisoner reform groups and i no, prisoner reform groups but also like prisoner art groups where you'd go in and like teach them different acting techniques and that sort of stuff and um while i really believe in that and i really believe in the program i went in with such like a you know rosy rosy sort of enthusiastic um approach initially and it was it, it became really very maybe this just sounds like so naive <laughs> it was it became very confronting because i believe in second chances and prison reform and you know people coming out of prison that they're, they're, they're people and they have dimensions but it was confronting the things that they'd done and the lack of remorse around really horrific crimes and um the predatorial nature of some only some of these people still um and so, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's just growing up. But if you're going into, you know, complicated placing places in the world, is it can come with like complicated, you know, experience. Well, it's like you, you know, you press the button and you, you know, you engage the engine, and you, mm. you know, it starts. You don't necessarily you don't have a brake necessary. You don't necessarily have control. You don't you you're not your foot is not on the brake you know you say yeah. it's like you tell the driver like okay accelerate driver you can't tell the driver how hard to accelerate and you can't tell the driver when to brake and that's going to happen and sometimes it's going to go too fast or too far or whatever or veer off and then i think a lot of it is just alignment it's like i'm down with a certain kind of 
chaos, but not that kind of chaos, you know? So mm. it's like, it's not in degree. It's just like the kind of chaos, <clears throat> it's your taste. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's same with like sex and kinking, like you talked about, um, you know, someone might say, I like it rough, but they might not like the kind of rough that that person likes. And mm. you just say, give it to me rough. And you're kind of, uh, you know, like if you're really, you know, it's a tough thing to negotiate. It takes a lot of sensitivity, but like, it's rare that you're just going to like nail it. You know, it's rare that like the other, you're someone's going to say, I like, like talking about like an army hammer situation. Like I want to do the whatever, like BDSM stuff. Like it means different things to different people. And so opening the door, it's, you know, you never get to say what, so, so the, the safe thing is like, just not to be that way. The safe yeah. thing is like, not to say, yeah, come at me. Like, you know, we're all living different experiences and we all have these, <clears throat> we all have these tastes and these feelings. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that like a relationship in that I had in my life, that was part of it was like, I was like, no, 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 I love you. And I like, am willing to like, let's do the chaos. Like you have this chaos. I have capacity for it. Like, let's try it. And then it was like, things happened that were not okay. And I didn't have tolerance for those things, but it wasn't that she got like worse than I, um, it was just out of alignment. It was just like, well, that won't work for my system actually. So you know what yeah. I, I and then, and then it's almost on me. You know, it's like I said, let's do it, and then actually I didn't really entirely mean it. Mm. Yeah, I'm so interested in that and like complicated, you know, dynamics within relationships and yeah, if like reconciliation is or is not possible because people like to like brush like you know have the same brush over very complicated situations um and oh i think it's possible just short answer from my experience it's 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 possible to reconciliation like, after breaking reconciliation. yeah or just like after moving, breaking it reconciling putting it back together yes yeah and I've moving through like terrible things yeah i've moved you through know, the most like, terrible things my partner like, and i have experienced the most terrible things i could have ever imagined and we're good we're impenetrable yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I feel like it's even yeah, it's even hard to to bring up some of the examples that I would like to because they're so <laughs> yeah, bad. I won't bring them up. <laughs> you know, and it it's obviously like so much of the the nuance and the specifics can get lost, or it can seem like you're whatever vouching or or pushing for something that you're not. But I don't know yeah it's 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 definitely fascinating to me and something that that i try to explore in my work I'm, I'm i'm watching this documentary at the moment and it's like a trashy netflix book but it's so interesting and it's called i'm a stalker and okay. it's like stalkers and their victims are both talking at the same time about their experience of stalking and being stalked um and it's 
interesting because most of the time they know each other and they know each other quite intimately and they refer to each other you know by name and they're just chatting about these horrendous experiences from their different perspectives like life and death experiences so this guy wanted to murder me and i wanted to murder her and two sides of the same coin and i don't know it's it's <laughs> Some of them are, are really wild, like particularly romantic partners who have been through horrendous situations together. And then the relationships have fallen apart, but they still have this history and this bedrock of, you know, their lives and intimacy and care for each other. Um, and yeah, like how that relationship can shake out and where they can end up after like going through those horrendous things. I don't know. I would recommend it, although it's, it I'm is. I'm looking at it, yeah. Yeah weird yeah you don't you don't Maybe have to see it like, from both perspectives you usually see like the the killer being like uh, like you know i like to kill <laughs> spooky shit and the victim being, or like they're like separate documentaries like they're they're not usually relaying the timeline next to each other um and the different motivations and the different experiences it's from an it's not very sensational like in the way that it's filmed and portrayed, it's very basic, um, which I think is an asset. Are there reenactments? No, that's so. Thank funny. God. Yeah. I think that would be like a, no. That's there's not. I so think there's shocking. maybe like you know the cameras floating through the hallway and the cars leaving the you know the parking space, but there's no actors. It would be a really <laughs> fun project to like take one of those Netflix true crime things and like remake it like keep the interviews but like remake all the reenactments and make them like gonzo 80s horror with like <laughs> practical effects and stuff and just like and just do the exact like the score is the same the soundtrack is yeah the same, plug in like just make all the reenactments like total gonzo i want to see a lot of like documentaries and personal ex I, I just want to see everything in animation because animation is so wild and extreme and they can make visuals out of any experience that you could have and they can yeah. make it abstract and bonkers or whatever yeah i mean I, I'm doing this with is one too sensitive i think to animation. make yeah sorry one I'm, I'm taking a, a film that i shot last year and i'm like integrating paintings and animation into it and i'm just sort of like remodeling the whole movie because i kind of decided that i made the movie and i achieved it but like it doesn't need to be seen by other people it was mainly for me and now i'm gonna make like a new version of it with the same materials but like adding more materials and i'm mm. gonna add animation and painting and stuff to it um because I, I think i do a lot of things that are like not necessarily meant to be shared and that version of the film like there was no value in it for other people to watch i'm really happy i did it and it's beautiful for me but i just don't know if it will lift others understanding in a tangible right. way do you think it will now that you're animating it well i'm doing it with that like that's my approach now mm. so my approach was doing this thing that i wanted to do and now my yeah. approach is making something that I want to show to people. Like something that I would play at a reunion night. Yeah. That's how I'm thinking about it. And so I don't yet know. 
I mean, I have it sketched out already and like outlined out of what I'm doing with it, but um, I don't want to say have I achieved it. I, I don't know yet, but but that's yeah. the, the um the way I'm thinking about it is for other people. Did you see that um animated movie documentary Flea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Uh, that's yeah. sort of like what I don't know. Do you like it? I mean, I it's amazing. Know. It's a, it's beautiful. It's such an interesting like a creative approach to yeah definitely i mean there's just there's so much like animation like on it like it's all beautiful as yeah like i don't give points anymore like i get these uh these like um voter uh like i get these incredible i think it's called the animation showcase this guy like ben mm. Wap. um man like i i never finish them they're they're you know it's pages and pages of, of, of just the animated shorts that like are vying for the academy awards and stuff they are there are so many and they are mm. gorgeous so so that's why i mean about yeah. flea is like yeah it is it's just like so are hundreds of others every year like no i just felt like moving paintings oh my god gorgeous yeah. gorgeous luscious like no, just so, in terms no, of I like, just think Flea got like inflated. Like Flea is cool. Don't get me wrong. No, just There's in terms just of like dark subject matter in an animation. Yeah. Or like yeah, dramatic just, subject matter in an animation. I feel like it, yeah. Yeah, totally. I just think that Flea got like inflated and they did a great job. Steven Raphael did the PR. Riz Ahmed was a big boon to that. Like it, it was cool. It was just like it checked these boxes and then they just put the machine behind it. But more what I feel is that a lot of movies checked, you know, a lot, sorry, a lot of movies were just as effective, but they didn't check all the boxes that Flea checked and Flea got the benefit of getting like the Stephen Raphael treatment. And he did, such, he was the publicist and he did such an incredible job at making that like a story. And it was, I think, neon. Uh, so it got the distributor, got the, the big EPs, it got the big publicist. And what I'm, um, suggesting is just there were a bunch of other films that they weren't necessarily refugee crisis gay beautiful animation muslim you know interrate all these different things that the culture wanted in that year they didn't check all those boxes so it didn't get the machine behind it but a lot of other things were just were, were really beautiful films i think that's that's how i see it's not bad i just think I, a lot think, I don't think that flea was you know, I think Flea was standing on its own legs in terms of being, you know, a piece of, like an influential piece of art. I think it wasn't just the fact that it came down to demographic, like the. No, I think the, that's why that's the, all those companies got behind it. Is mm, all. Like right. you, you would, you would be mentioning. What were some of your movies. picks of the year or recently? Like some document, like some this animation. Year? I don't know. Oh, I recently, don't, I don't couple really. of I'm not good at the recall. Like I don't make lists anymore. Um, oh. I mean, this year I know that like my, you know, my favorite cinematic experiences were blockbusters. RRR was number okay. one by far. And Top Gun at Cannes was incredible. It was just nothing beat that. It was amazing. Um, the only thing to beat it was RRR. Um, and then like Bardo and Athena are probably my like art house picks, both from Netflix. Both I saw at the Paris Theater. Um, Athena was incredible. Bardo made me feel more things than any movie this year. 
Um, I love to, you know, talk about animation. I thought Pinocchio was wild as well. And the exhibition they have at the MoMA is incredible. I, I went to that too. Um, you know, Netflix like <laughs> had a good year, as weird as it is. Um, I don't know. Would you like we'll, something out of Sundance? Um, I liked Divinity a lot. Talk about animation. You know, Eddie mm. Alcazar uses stop motion animation merged with live action really beautifully. He did it in the Vandal. We showed those. Um, and Divinity was really cool. I'm excited for everyone to get that. I loved 1001, uh, A.B. Rockwell. I thought Crystal Caiz's short that one was really good. I thought all, you know, all the winners Persian, Persian version was really good. I loved Accidental Getaway Driver. Um, Fremont was cool. Uh, a lot of good shorts. Like I'm going to show mm -hmm. a bunch of those shorts actually. Um, oh, sick. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just saw like a, like a message came in from um, Eric Cohn and I are going to, he's going to curate one and we're going to, we're going to show a bunch of those. Um, Sundance was good this year. I thought, what, what were, what were your yeah. picks? I mean, oh, picks. I really liked past lives a lot. I thought that was beautiful. Um, and although I didn't think it was a perfect screenplay, uh, I really enjoyed the tone and the vibe of Eileen. That was really exciting to me. Um, yeah. Just, you know, she was like scratching her vagina and smelling it and like, <laughs> I just like, twisted, whatever. It was, it was sort of like made for me to like, so I did. And I really enjoyed Magazine Dreams, which a lot of people came out of saying it was very dark and, you know, inaccessible. But I thought that it was just like so cinematic and visually beautiful. And I, I don't know, I think it was the only thing that was like a real showstopper visually for me at the festival. Um, that was exciting. I like that. Um, yeah, I Fairview was cool. I mean, Fair Play, Play, Fair Play. Um, Which one? Fair Play, that's what it's called, right? The one that was picked up. Oh, by... I didn't watch it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, like, Netflix. yeah, they bought that for a lot. Like, yeah, that was fun. I mean, uh, that was like a you know, sexy, thrilling couple romp. I'm, I had a good time. Uh, and they, yeah, and they yeah, fully they like, seen, like that solid movie, yeah. Yeah, it was ballsy too. Like it really followed through on its themes to the end, which yeah. you don't really see. You know, in Me Too, that's that can go pretty extreme, and and it and it went there, and it was exciting from a screenplay perspective to see something that just climaxed out. You know, mm. the plot. It was a good screenplay. Um, the direction was also good. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, we'll we'll get a lot of good movies this year. I think it's exciting. Yeah. Um. All right. I gotta run, but I'm glad we right, did this. And uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if we need to post the other one, but we got we got we got a lot in here as well. We so I think people <laughs> will be fine. Um. Thanks again. And um. Right. Yeah. I'll we'll be showing you. some of Lucy's work on Thursday. And excited for everyone to watch. Can't wait. Thanks, Sean. All right. See you later. Yeah. Okay.